Welcome everyone to Monday Match Analysis. I'm Gil Gross and it is time for the 2023 Roland Garros preview. Second major of the year is here after the always long and this year even longer build up. If you're new to the channel, I will give dark horses an unseated player most likely to go deep, upset alert, seated player most likely to lose early, popcorn matches, early round match that I think you should watch, and of course, quarterfinal predictions followed by the final weekend predictions. Last year, I did pretty well. I got three out of the four semifinalists correct, got the Nadal-Djokovic semifinal, uh, got rude to the semis, but I had Tsitsipas in the final. Tsitsipas would end up uh, suffering that that surprising loss, especially at the time. Uh, looking back, not quite as surprising. Lost to Holger Runa at last year's Roland Garros. I am coming off of a terrible Rome, though, so we hope to do much better than Rome, all right? In general, I would say coming into this event, I really, and look, there's a lot of talk about how, okay, no Rafa, questions around Novak's form and his health, this might be the most wide-open Roland Garros that we've seen in a while. I agree and I disagree with that statement. I disagree with that statement in the sense that I... There are a lot of guys who are technically favorites, who are top guys, who I really trust. I really trust them a lot. And there are a lot of them, especially the top uh, four in the power rankings. If you didn't see the power rankings, you can go back and you can watch that. Uh, but really down to eight in the power rankings, I feel pretty good about those players. And other than... Well, look, I mean, if you ask me the question, how many players can win the men's title in Paris, and me not be that surprised. I would say I get to the number five, which is a much higher number than it's been in years past. Let's get into it. All right, enough enough messing around here. Uh, oh, I got I to gotta pull up the PowerPoint. I forgot to do that. Uh, I would like to begin by giving some shout-outs to qualifiers as of making this preview, the qualifiers have not been placed in the draw yet, uh, but they are dangerous and I respect them. So I do want to shout out a couple of them. Jerry Shang qualified, a young man from China, very quick around the court, excellent forehand. I do think he's better on hard court than clay, but could be wrong as I'm still kind of learning about his game. And notably, he defeated the Carlos Alcaraz slayer, Fabian Marojan. Pedro Martinez. Very tough baseliner at his best with much more experience than your average qualifier. In fact, it's been a long time since he's had to qualify for a major as his ranking has been plenty good enough over the course of the last couple years now. Lucas, I almost said Luca because some people say Luca, but he says Lucas on the ATP website. Lucas Pui. Needs very little introduction. Former top 10 player. Great story. I believe he's outside of the top 500 now, and he qualifies. Look, he is going to be a local headliner coming into the first round. I expect a raucous crowd for Pui and a pretty decent court assignment, obviously, depending on, on who he plays. So those are your qualifier shout-outs. Now let's get into the quarter-by-quarter -quarter preview. We begin with Alcaraz. Top seeds... Alcaraz, Tsitsipas, FAA, Nori, Musetti, Korda, Shapovalov, and Zapata Marias. My dark horse here is Alexander Shevchenko. Upset alert is Denis Shapovalov. 
Early popcorn is Cameron Norrie versus Benoit Pair in the opening round. Shevchenko, we'll start with him. He's coached by Gunter Bresnik, who was really the architect behind Dominic Team's development, you know, in the early stages, especially as kind of a top clay quarter. And you can really see some similarities there. Shevchenko versus Young Team, the the weapon development on the forehand side is immense. It is a very heavy forehand. It does kind of take a long time for him to produce it, but on the clay, he has that time, and it is a gorgeous weapon. Results-wise, really good in challengers. Two titles this year. He made a run at tour level in Madrid, where he made the third round coming out of qualifying and pushed Medvedev deep into a third set. Then he had another marquee billing center court Rome played center another three set match that's a good sign to me when you're getting your first experiences playing top 10 competition on big courts and you are pushing those guys you have my attention and I really am liking what I'm seeing from Alexander Shevchenko uh, first round against Oscar Atta that's one that he should definitely win and then he'd get Lorenzo Musetti who I'm pretty high on but to me, that's one to circle and one to watch. Upset alert in Denis Shapovalov. Shapo's been dealing with knee pain. And as a result, he's only played two clay events throughout the entire clay court swing, Barcelona and Madrid. Uh, there have always been parts of Dennis's game that I have hoped would translate to good clay court results. He does get more time on the surface. He can hit those heavy RPMs. Unfortunately, those, those things are offset by the movement struggles. He, he's not able to really take advantage of those assets because he's not good at sliding. He's often off balance on this surface. And, you know, also it requires him to play some extra balls. And when the consistency isn't there, that can be an issue. He'll play Nakashima. Brandon Nakashima, you know, originally, or I would say, if you asked me last week, I would say, well, that's a, an excellent draw. Another guy who's dealt with actually some knee issues, that's an excellent draw on clay. Uh, but this week, he's playing great. He's through the Lyon semifinal, beat Schwartzman, Rinderknecht, and most impressively in the quarters, Tommy Paul. So I uh, I like Nakashima in that match, and Chapo's on upset alert for me. Popcorn match is Cam Nori versus Benoit Pair. Look, support always plays a big role in how hard Benoit Pair is trying. And we know he's going to have some support in Paris. Benoit hasn't won a match since last summer. I believe it was in Washington City Open. But I've actually been impressed with his willingness to grind at the challenger level. I genuinely wasn't sure if he'd do that. I was concerned that when Pair's ranking really, you know, dropped outside, you know, well outside of the top 100, I was worried that that maybe that would be it for his career because uh, I, I didn't know if he was going to kind of pull himself up by the bootstraps and, and be willing to play at the challenger level, but he has been willing and he's had some success. So uh, good for Pear. I expect him to compete hard here. I also still have a lot of hope for Cam Nori. I expect that if he's at his best and he's confident, that he can be a, a very tough out and I'll, I'll have my eyes out for that. With that said, let's get now to the quarterfinal prediction. I have Carlos Alcaraz defeating Stefanos Tsitsipas. Definitely the uh, the top two seeds and the chalk in this quarter, so to speak. Tsitsipas, potentially the easiest eighth in the draw. 
Uh, again, I don't really love the unseeded guys. His his third round seed is Zapata Marias, who he destroyed in Madrid. Uh, the other eighth, no, the other sixteenth in his in his eighth. Yeah, uh, sorry, math is uh, is FAA and Corda. You know, two guys who just haven't been healthy, so you really don't know what you're going to get out of them. And then as as far as Tsitsipas's level is concerned, I really like how Steph looked in Rome. Other than the mental stuff in the Medvedev match, I felt like he was protecting his backhand very nicely, and his forehand was deadly as ever. So I'm pretty confident in Tsitsipas to make the quarterfinal. Alcaraz, nothing too dangerous in the first three rounds. I kind of hope it's Matteo Arnaldi in the third round. I'd like to see what Arnaldi can do because I, I like his game a lot. Uh, the fourth round is probably either Nori or Musetti. And I like both of them, but neither of them are guys who can take the racket out of Alcaraz's hands. Neither are guys who are probably going to play as offensive as I think you have to play against Alcaraz. I think Nori's backhand becomes an issue against Carlitos on clay, and I still don't think Musetti plays with enough pace to make Alcaraz uncomfortable. So that brings us to our Alcaraz versus Tsitsipas matchup. And look, at the end of the day, I see no signs of life for Steph in this head-to-head. -head. The first couple matches were close. I thought some were kind of overstating how much Alcaraz was actually in control against Tsitsipas. But after their first couple matches, you know, it's gone in the other direction. Every time they play, Tsitsipas seems to get further away from winning. And I do expect that Tsitsipas will hit his backhand better uh, against Alcaraz than he did in Barcelona. But I still think he runs into too many issues on his backhand. And I don't expect that to fully change. You know, it's handling the weight of shot that Alcaraz brings when he goes to the Tsitsipas' backhand. And it's also just how much pressure... Alcaraz's offense puts on Stefanos's backhand to remain unattackable. So Alcaraz coming out of this quarter. Next, we go to the number three seed, Novak Djokovic. The number three seed because Medvedev won Rome and became the number two seed. Top seeds are Djokovic, Rublev, Hachinov, Hercoc, RBA, Evans, Davidovich Vikina, and Shelton. My dark horse here, there's two of them, Martin Fucevic and Lorenzo Sinego. My upset alert is Hubert Hercoc, and my early popcorn is Alejandro Davidovich Fakina versus Arthur Fies, round one. Let us start with our dark horses here, Fucevic. This is an injury comeback year for him, got hurt last year. And other than a couple of wins over Dimonor, the results haven't been too eye-catching. But he's a dark horse, and he's been a dark horse many times before here on Monday Match Analysis because he overperforms in best of five due to his fitness. His record in best of five is 39 and 29. His record in best of three is 97 and 109. If Novak isn't right early on, and this is really why he's my dark horse, if Novak isn't right, this is the guy who takes advantage of that. Martin uh, has a pretty long history with Novak, four matches. He's never beaten Djokovic. Uh, but in those four meetings, uh, Fucevic has taken three sets, which is not too shabby. Um, you know, the, the Wimbledon match was really the only one for Novak that was straightforward. And on, on grass, uh, it's not really the same dynamic. You know, the, I think 
the concern for Djokovic in this matchup would be if the offensive tools are struggling, read, serve, and forehand. Well, Fucevic is going to challenge Novak in terms of the, the fitness and the consistency. And that's why he's a dark horse for me. But in all likelihood, Djokovic is fine. He's playing at a decent level, and he beats Fucevic. Boom. My other dark horse, I wanted to include a guy with a better draw situation, and that is Lorenzo Sinego, who gets Ben Shelton, then potentially Umber or Manorino, and then Rublev. And for what it's worth, he beat Rublev last time they played in Rome in 2021. The irony of this, you know, is, is that I'm making Sinego a dark horse largely because I like his draw, but at the same time, I feel like he's had a lot of really bad draw luck recently, and as a result, he hasn't really been able to make a run. But I do think he's got some weapons. I like his serve. I like his forehand. And I do think he plays his best in matches that matter. I like how he competes, plays with a lot of emotion, and when that is positive emotion, Sinego can be a lot to handle. Last year, impressive at Roland Garros, pushed Rude to five sets in the third round. Rude would go on to make the final. My upset alert is Hubert Hercotch. He surprised me with his clay success last year. But this year, it's been more of what I thought. The, you know, Hercotch forehand looks very exposed on the clay, more so than the other surfaces. The last time Hercotch won a match in straight sets was Indian Wells. And he's got some talent in his draw. You have David Gafan and Talon Griekspor. Neither of them have produced a lot of good results as of late, but I actually have Griekspor in a very soft section of this draw. Uh, I have Griekspor coming through and getting to, I think I would have to look at my bracket, I think the fourth round, something like that. Again, Griekspor hasn't been good recently, but that's what I have. So, Hercotch upset alert, Gafan or Griekspor. Popcorn, Davidovich Fakina versus Fis. This match... Has some Spider-Man meme going for it. Tons of speed, power, risky shot selection. Knowledgeable French tennis fans are going to show up. They know about Arthur Fies. I wouldn't miss this match. I really, really wouldn't miss this match. Let's get to the quarterfinals. In the quarterfinal here, in Novak Djokovic's quarter, I have Djokovic defeating Karen Hachinov. All right, let's get into this. So, where should we start? Let's start with uh, Hatchinoff. He has a really nice opening two rounds. Great draw. Uh, but then there could be a problem in the third round. Dan Evans. Could be Dan Evans in the third round, who he is 0-4 against. I almost picked against Karen for this reason. But Evans would have to beat Kokonakis and then probably Vavrinka. I figured, you know what? I'm not going to... I'm not going to say the most likely outcome here is that Evans advances to the fourth round. I'm going to go with Hatchinov. That brings me to the Rublev match. Hatchinov versus Rublev. And look, this has been a very tough head-to-head for Andre. A lot of close matches. And I think the main reason for that is because Rublev can't really break down Hatchinov's backhand. And I've talked about this a lot. A lot of Andre's best baseline patterns, they're all predicated around breaking down that righty backhand. And Rublev hasn't been able to do that. Hatchinov beat him in Madrid earlier in the clay swing. Ultimately, I see this becoming a long five-setter. Very grueling. Lots of long rallies. 
Lots of nervous, high-tension moments. So what does it come down to for me? Hatchinov's fitness and his clutchness in majors, his confidence in majors. Rublev, a lot of pressure in majors. Hasn't been able to get over the hump. So if they're going to have a battle deep into the fifth set, taking Hatchinov there. And that's how I get Karen Hatchinov to the quarterfinal. Uh, I will mention for Rublev, look, I'd be very surprised if he were upset. I do think he makes the fourth round. But uh, he does play a borderline top 30 clay court player in Laszlo Gera in the first round. Moving on to Djokovic. I think if Novak, looking at his draw, if Novak is going to lose, it would probably be in rounds two or three. Uh, second round, Fucevic, we've talked about that. Third round, Davidovich Fakina, if he's able to get through Fis, we know about Davidovich Fakina's talent. And, you know, he's not someone on clay, especially. Not someone who I would want to play in the third round as the number, I think, 27 seed. You know, it's, it's how he is for Davidovich Fakina because he's not someone who has results week to week, but I think he's dangerous. Uh, but then after that for Novak, I think it gets much, much, much better. Uh, again, I have Greek Spore for him. Then I have Hatchinov. Uh, he's beaten Hatchinov seven times in a row uh, since Paris 2018. In theory, Karen is a guy who can hang backhand and backhand and make things physical against Novak. But uh, the key here is that if Djokovic were able to get his offensive tools working against Hatchinov, he just has much, much more, much uh, more clinical finisher. And uh, Hatchinov's defense is very ineffective against Djokovic. In the past, when they've played, Novak has had, you know, 80% or upward of 80% first serves uh, one percentage against Hatchinov. All right, that is that. Let us move on. Obviously, anyone who I've anyone who I've advanced to uh, the semifinal, I will be talking about more once we get to the final weekend prediction. We're halfway through. We get to Casper Ruud's court of the number four seed. Casper Ruud is with Holger Runa, Fritz, Paul, Struff, Sarundalo, Vanda Zanschulp, and Ketsmanovic. My dark horse here is Nicholas Jari. My upset alert is Casper Ruud. My early popcorn is Runa versus the winner of Monfis and Baez. Let's get to the dark horse, Jari. I don't feel super strongly about this one, honestly, because there seems to be a major difference in what Jari is able to do at sea level versus altitude. And that's mostly because the serve is massive and the serve is better in altitude. But I, I think the reason he likes the clay is because the time on the ball, and the high bounce. He's a tall guy, and he loves the high bounce. He had a really big golden swing. Santiago title. Just beat Rude in Geneva. Geneva, not as much altitude as Santiago, but still altitude. Geneva's at about 1,200 feet. Pretty sure Paris is at sea level. Almost positive about that. So he doesn't have any altitude there. Uh, but, you know, the reason I said, all right, I'll make you a dark horse is uh, because, look, the form is good. He's got big weapons, and he's got a good draw. Hugo Delian is uh, his first round. I think Delian is playing on a protected ranking because he's been injured, and I don't think he's been able to do anything since coming back. Tommy Paul is his big seed, and Tommy has really struggled. He hasn't had a good clay court tournament at tour level. The only run that he's made on clay has been the Exxon Provence Challenger. The problem with Jari is that he, he doesn't really handle pace to his backhand, but sometimes that doesn't matter. And 
I think he's the best option here for Dark Horse. I also consider Dusan Lajevic, your Banya Luka champion. But ultimately, I didn't really see enough there, and I went with Jari. Upset alert, Casper. Casper Rude. Look, I was ready to feel good about Rude after Rome. He makes the semis there. He's up a set and a break against Runa. I'm not too down on his loss to Jari, uh, even in Geneva. I'm not too down on it. I think I think Jari in altitude is super uncomfortable, and he's not going to really face anything like that at Roland Garros to a, some extent, uh, with the quick kind of the quick conditions of Geneva at least. Uh, but look, Casper. There have been two issues with him. First of all, just the confidence which we saw against Runa. I mean, the way he went away as soon as he had a chance to win that match was concerning. But then besides that, he's really struggled against big weapons and aggression because he's been too defensive. He hasn't been able to keep the ball deep in the court and kind of keep those big weapons at bay. And it's been a big problem. And his draw is full of exactly that, big weapons and aggression. I don't know who he's playing first round. It's going to be a qualifier, but in the second round, it's Alexander Bublik. Sasha pushed him to a third set tie break in Rome. Next up, I have him playing Botik van de Zanschko. Uh, another guy who beat him in the clay court swing. Casper got his revenge a week later, so it's 1-1. Still, uh, also could be Lajevic. Could be Zhang Zhizhen also in the, in the third round, triple Z. He, he also hits the ball enormously big. Struff in the fourth round. Beat him in Monte Carlo. You get the picture here? Like, all these dudes. I mean, Van der Schulpitz really with the forehand. Um, all these guys bring a ton of aggression. I don't think you're going to outgrind Rude at this point. I don't think anybody's going to do that to him. But I think you can hit him off the court. Especially if he's feeling a lot of pressure. I don't know how much weight and mental kind of strain he's feeling right now. Defending finalist points. That can be stressful. I also consider Tommy Paul for upset alert. He, As I said, he hasn't been good. Mostly forehand issues. Uh, but I do think his fitness gives him the opportunity to grind out some wins. And I think he could scrape through if Nicholas Jari is not executing his hyper-aggressive style, which is always a possibility. Popcorn matches Runa versus Monfils or Baez. I really expect it to be Baez. I did watch uh, Monfils play one match since coming back and just didn't really look as athletic as I would hope that he would look. Uh, I still really enjoy watching Sebastian Baez play, even if he's hit some speed bumps in his career since his 2022 clay court breakthrough. Still a fiery guy, moves well, and uh, I might have my eye on that one, especially just to see how how Runa is dealing with this new role. You know, we saw Alcaraz in, you know, last year in 2022 have this really big clay court season and suddenly he went to Roland Garros and here he is for the first time at a major expected to do big things Carlitos was so nervous at RG last year I mean he he could have lost to Albert Ramos Vinolas at RG last year that's how nervous he was so now Holger's in the same exact position same position let's see how he handles it 
Let's get to the quarterfinal prediction in Casper Ruud's quarter. I have Holger Runa defeating Jan Lennard Struff. Yeah, Struffy. Struffy with another big run here, in my opinion. Look, I don't want to get into the Madrid result because I am the first guy to tell you all the time not to care too much about Madrid results. It's altitude clay. It's quick conditions. Big servers, aggressive players rule in Madrid to a far greater extent than they rule at Roland Garros. But there's more to it with Struff. It's not just Madrid. First of all, Roland Garros is actually his best major. He has the best record in Paris out of the four majors. Twice he's been to the fourth round. That's the round of 16. Twice. This year, made the quarters in Monte Carlo. Had some good wins there. And I really like his draw. I know that if he's feeling confident, he's going to be a total horror to play against. Even for Kaspar Ruud, who would be his fourth round matchup. So, I put Struff through. Makes me a little nervous because I don't want to put weight into the Madrid run to the final. I don't want to, but I still have Struff through. Runa. This is going to be interesting, as I said, to watch mentally for Holger Runa to see how he deals with this. But I do think he can handle it. Game-wise, we saw an immediate difference once he started playing with more margin on the clay. And I think in part that's because he's so amazing defensively that he just needed to get a little bit more consistent and he was going to you know, start to really make it hard on his opponents to hit through him and find finishes. He turns defense and offense so well. And I, I find he's, he's struck a, a good enough balance for the most part between defense and offense. Arguably, the result of that adjustment has been him having one of the best clay court swings out of anyone, start to finish, with the final in Monte Carlo, the title in Munich, and the final once again in Rome. Like, who has had a more consistent clay court season start to finish than that? Had a big result last year at Roland Garros, made the quarters. I feel pretty good about putting him through to his first major semifinal here. I don't think he's going to back down. You know, mentally, I'm not that worried, even though I think it's an interesting thing to track and look out for. The question is the fatigue, but that's probably a question that comes later, probably after the quarterfinal, especially if he plays Jan Lennard Struff. We know that's not getting too physical. Let's move on to the next. Daniil Medvedev's quarter. Top seeds are Medvedev, Sinner, Tiafo, Chorich, Dimonor, Zverev, Nishioka, and Dimitrov. My dark horses here is Jack Draper and Tomas Martin Echeverry. They play in the first round, so I'm taking the winner as the dark horse. Upset alert, Yoshi Nishioka. Early popcorn, Dominic Team versus Pedro Kachin. Draper versus Echeverry. Well, Echeverry, I've been impressed with this year. He's not creative, but he's very powerful and very consistent. And he's got a good serve. Still in the infancy stages of competing at tour level, but he's already been to two finals. Uh, one of them came in uh, Buenos Aires, right? Buenos Aires? Yeah, pretty sure Buenos Aires. I don't have it in front of me, uh, but Golden Swing. And his other one was Houston, that I'm positive about. 
Jack Draper, if he's playing, he's an automatic dark horse. That's just, I've said that this year already, and that's just how it is. He can't stay healthy, and as a result, he can't maintain a ranking inside the top 32, but it's amazing how good he's been when he's played, despite the stop and start, stop and start nature of his career thus far. He's 10 and 6 this year, despite two major injuries, one coming in the offseason. He had a horrendous offseason, barely trained, went to Australia, still made a lot of noise. It's unbelievably impressive. Came back in Lyon this week for the first time since playing in Monte Carlo, beat uh, Muller, beat Katsmanovic, lost in three sets to Francisco Sarindolo. So he did it again. He c comes back from injury. You know, it would be understandable if he took a, a bad early loss, but no, he wins matches. So he's an auto dark horse for me. Upset alert is Yoshi Nishioka. I apologize. I, I try not to, it's kind of an obvious one. And I try not to do this with upset alert. You know, Nishioka, he's not a high seed. He's not good on clay. I try not to be so obvious, but I, uh, I'll explain in a second why I couldn't pick anybody else for upset alert. Nishioka, uh, he's lost first round at five of his last seven events. Just underpowered on the clay. Doesn't like moving on it either. Biggest part of Nishioka's game is his movement. He's so quick on hard court. Uh, meanwhile, J.J. Wolf, look, not somebody who you think about a clay court with. In fact, he's barely played on red clay uh, in his career or in his life. But he's starting to get the hang of it pretty quickly. And he's really embraced the necessary adjustments. And he has rejected the American attitude. He actually wants to play well on red clay. Um, it's important to him. And instead of just being like, nah, F this, he's actually trying really hard and playing consistent. So I like JJ in that match. Look, I think there are a lot of somewhat interesting second round matches here. Daniel Altmaier was a potential dark horse for me. He would be Yannick Sinner's second round. Molchan is, I think, Zverev's most dangerous test if they play in the second round. Molchan is not going to give Zverev a lot of pace, and Zverev is not going to like that, potentially. Popperin, Tiafo, second round. That's interesting. I haven't really loved Tiafo on the clay. Um, and then... You know, the winner of team and Kachin against Chorich. That's another interesting one. So there are all these second round matches that I think are kind of interesting. But all of those seeds I thought had fairly easy first round matches. And I just think when it comes to seeds like this, after you get the first match under your belt, you're so much less likely to lose in the second round. Uh, just because, I don't know, you, you've gotten your, your win under your belt. You're going to probably play a little bit better when it comes to level. So I just couldn't pull the trigger. But... All of those are pretty interesting to me, uh, particularly Molchan Zverev, given, you know, you can't have all that much confidence in, in Zverev at this point. Uh, that's the biggest one for me, I would say, if I had to choose. But none of them are slam dunks. Like, I just wasn't really ready to to put my foot down on any of those. Popcorn match, team versus Kachin. Uh, this is the first time we'll see team at tour level since that uh, match against Tsitsipas in Madrid. Third set tie break. It really seemed like you know, maybe things were going in a really nice direction for Dominic. But uh, in the play, in the two challengers that he's played since, he's lost before the final in both. Not really what he was looking for. With team, obviously, um, 
tons of RG nostalgia, and he's in much better shape than he was last year when he lost to Hugo Delian in the opening round. Meanwhile, Kachin, pretty good litmus test for, for Dominic. I mean, he's had most of his success this year in Madrid, both at the Challenger and at the Masters in Madrid. Uh, but ultimately, if you take the last two years, he's been a total killer in the Clay Challenger. So it's a good test. It'll be interesting. What court do they put that on? That's also interesting, right? Like, where do you put Dominic team? Do you put him on a small outer court? Probably not. You know that people are still going to want to watch him. All right, let's get to the quarterfinal here. It is Daniil Medvedev beating Yannick Sinner. Let me start with Sinner. Yannick, as a big title winner, still unproven. But as a major quarterfinalist, he is very much proven. He's made four of them at all four, one at each. But Roland Garros has been his best major. In fact, his resume is extremely impressive at RG. Uh, in his debut, he made the quarterfinal and lost to Nadal. The next time he played, he made the fourth round and lost to Nadal. Last year, he was smoking Andre Rublev. And then he hurt his knee and had to retire. I think he was going to win that match and make yet another quarterfinal. We'll never know. Meanwhile, good draw. The seeds in his section are Dimitrov, Zverev, and Tiafo. Most of the best unseeded players are in the other half, except I do like Daniel Altmaier, as I've mentioned. I would say Zverev isn't a good matchup for Yannick Sinner, but Zverev hasn't been able to beat anybody on Yannick Sinner's level all season long. So that bodes well for Yannick, and I put him through to the quarterfinals. I, I feel pretty confident and comfortable with that. But Daniil Medvedev, I have winning that match. Look, I made the argument in the power rankings, but I think the Rome title for Medvedev, I think it's real. I think it's a real thing going on here. His forehand is just different this year. I think it makes all the difference. His movement is the best it's ever been on clay. His Monte Carlo losses and his Madrid losses this year are highly explainable to me. As are a lot of his struggles from previous years. So I really don't feel like I'm overreacting to Rome. Although I know that if I get this wrong, that's what it's going to look like. Medvedev is an awful matchup for Sinner because of the pace absorption. And I truly worry about Sinner's nerves as he tries to make his first major semifinal against a guy who is going to make him earn each and every point. I like Medvedev. I like Medvedev in this quarterfinal. Medvedev through. So without further ado, let us get to the final weekend. In three, two, one. In the semis, Alcaraz defeats Djokovic in four sets. Medvedev defeats Runa in five sets. In the final, Alcaraz defeats Medvedev in four. Argumentation. Alcaraz over Djokovic. Let's talk about Novak first. I'm preparing for a Novak that isn't 100%. And while we have seen him in recent times win two Australian Opens with injuries, and we saw him win Wimbledon 2021, where, in my opinion, he was never able to play his best tennis because he was just really, really tight, understandably. Clay is a different story. 
in post-physical prime Novak Djokovic. He needs to be at his best, especially on his forehand, or I just can't see him beating Alcaraz. On other surfaces, when it comes to this head-to-head, uh, I could see Al- Djokovic rushing Alcaraz quite a bit, especially off of Novak's return of serve, and I think that could be a problem. But not here. That's not really a play on clay. You know, you're not going to rush him as much as you would be able to on other surfaces. So that's kind of the logic on Alcaraz over Djokovic. Medvedev over Rune, over Runa. It's pretty simple. You know, you take the advantage that Medvedev had over Runa in Rome, which is physicality, and then you make it best of five in a major semifinal. That's only going to make it worse. That's only going to make Medvedev's advantage come out more. And we saw that Daniil can wear Holger down physically. I just think he can do it again. The experience gap here is huge as well. And I do think there's something to be said for as much as Runa has just been so impressive in the big matches he's played early in his career. At a certain point, usually, you start bec- you, you stop becoming this like young underdog kind of kid who just doesn't feel any pressure. Usually at some point you start to feel it. Alcaraz had a similar thing. And you have to learn, once you start to feel it, you have to learn how to deal with it. That's the next step. But at some point, that's coming for Runa. Might come in a major semifinal. I don't know. But regardless, really, my you know my pick, Medvedev over Runa in five sets, it's all about physicality. And then in the final, Alcaraz over Medvedev in four sets. Carlitos is the only guy who I don't have questions about. In general. And when he got super patient against Medvedev at Indian Wells and took away Daniil's consistency advantage, Medvedev did not know what to do. And then the other thing I want to repeat is that Alcaraz not going for his first major here is a major help. I still feel like there's just way less pressure on Alcaraz because he won that U.S. Open last year. And I can't tell you how long away that is going to go as he tries to win major number two here at Roland Garros, where I think he is the deserved favorite, and I expect him to win it, or at least I predict him to win it. Although, I think there are some real threats here, some real threats. I don't think it's a foregone conclusion, and I don't think it's anywhere near the level that we have experienced over the you know, last decade or so, uh, last decade plus, really, with Rafa and, and Novak and Roger. Uh, being kind of shoe-ins to be in the mix at the end of this tournament. So that is it. Can't wait to bring you coverage. Hope you enjoyed. Don't forget to subscribe, and I will see you next time.